as followers of Jesus Christ, we all have a, a role to play in ushering in God's kingdom, in making God's kingdom a reality here on earth. God's kingdom was really Jesus' primary message. If you wanted to distill down what Jesus was on about, he was always on about God's kingdom or, or the kingdom of heaven, depending on which gospel you're reading at the time. It merely means God's rule, God in breaking into the world. Uh, God making sure that reconciliation and peace, his justice and joy manifest here upon the earth on, in, in Jesus' name. And this morning we have a story about uh, really how it is all of our jobs to make sure uh, that that is the case, that he's given each of us a commission to go forth with the good news of Jesus Christ, to, to bring to sow seeds of of peace and love and, and justice in our world. The problem, of course, is that when you turn on the news, you think, well, gee, can I really achieve anything? Uh, can I, am I really able to make a difference when you see the overwhelming uh, evil that is really in the world at the moment? It's easy to get overwhelmed and to think, well, my humble little efforts don't really amount to very much. It's a little bit like, I read someone this week saying, it's a little bit like trying to empty the ocean with a teaspoon, given the, the waves of of hurt and pain and, and stuff that is not right going on in our, in our world at the moment. But that is the theme from, from today's reading. We're in Luke chapter 10. If you want to follow along, I'm going to be reading the first 20 verses of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. Uh, this is the lectionary reading for the week. Followers of Jesus right around the world, different tribes and tongues, are studying this passage with us this morning uh, about the, the sending out. Of, of the 72, uh, this follows hot on the heels of the sending of the 12. This is a separate event, not just sending the 12 leaders or the 12 apostles. This is the 72, a much larger group of followers being sent out by Jesus. So Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through to 20 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandal. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of our town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable on that for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum. Will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned, 
with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Wow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, capture our minds, capture our hearts in this moment. Amen. There are a few little contextual details I want to share with you about this story before we move on to our final point, how we each have a, a part to play in, uh, in bringing down Satan. There's a few little things that you might not have uh, seen as we, as we went through. Firstly, we are sent. The language of being sent and of going appears three or four times here from, from Luke, doesn't it? We are sent. We are called to go. This is the language that Jesus is now using, that he's telling his disciples. This point in Luke's gospel represents a bit of a turning point. Up until about now, or just the chapter before when he sends the 12, it had been all about who Jesus is. Been coming to grips with who Jesus is. Who is this fellow who commands the wind and the waves? Even they obey him. But now a turning point has been reached, and it's, the emphasis shifts to being our response to who Jesus is. So there's a real shift that's taking place here in Luke's gospel. The disciples have been taught. Jesus has gathered them in. He's called them in, and now he's sending them out. This is a theme right throughout Scripture that have been called in and sent out. Uh, people sometimes think coming to church for an hour or so on a Sunday that that is their religious duty. No, 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 this is not being sent out. This is the gathering from which we are sent out into our mission field. It's happened right throughout Scripture. Think of Abraham being called by God out of the blue to leave everything that he knew and be a father to a new nation that would in turn bless all the nations of the earth. Or think of Moses being called in to come and to, to, to listen to a burning bush, listening to God speak in a burning bush before then being sent out in a mission to, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go and to, to liberate his people. Jesus has been doing the same thing. He's been calling his disciples. He's been healing. He's been setting them free. He's been liberating them from demons. And now he's sending them out. This is the story of the Christian life. We are called in order to be sent. We are blessed in order to be a blessing, yes? Our job as followers of Jesus Christ is not to keep this good news all to ourselves, but to share it. We are sent out to every town, to every nearby village is what's happening here. Uh, we are not to keep this good news for ourselves. We, are, we die to self and we live for Christ. This is the, the model of, of the Christian life. Dying to self, giving of ourselves, being sent out in service to the world around us. Now this is a pretty, uh, in case you haven't worked it out, this can be quite a controversial thing to do in 2022, to go out and to declare God's kingdom. People don't like you to be declaring God's kingdom today. Many people in Aussie society today will tell you to keep your faith to yourself. It's all right if you want to go to your little building once a week on a Sunday and do whatever it is you do in there, but keep it there, please. Don't share it out in the public square. You'll find this happening all the time. You'll hear it more and more often. It happened to me just this week. 
I had a little sermon illustration pop up just in the last couple of days. I, I made a really big effort to promote our, our, our going on deeper night, our, 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 the night that we had on Friday night, dealing with the consequences of, of the pandemic. I'm a member of many Facebook groups. When I moved here, I joined the Bondi Local Loop. has about 108,000 people. I've joined the Randwick, the Coogee, about 10 of them. And I posted uh, about our event saying, come on in and, and help heal and be well uh, following this pandemic. I got some pretty negative feedback. In fact, a couple of these groups took my post down. Any number of things get promoted on these websites. Every exercise group, every sort of spirituality. But as soon as you started mentioning matters of faith, the walls started to go up. And in fact, I even had someone troll me. There's another website called Nextdoor. It's like your local neighborhood kind of social networking group. They pulled my post down. I had a complaint. I complained. They put it back up long after the night had finished, which wasn't so helpful. But when you think about it, this worldview of keeping your, your views to yourself is in fact really just another type of worldview. You see, everyone's selling something. You often hear we're not to proselytize, which is the word that simply means to sort of to share your faith or to convert someone to your way of thinking, particularly in relation to matters of faith. But everyone is proselytizing their own worldview when you think about it. So I want you to know that we are indeed called to go out and indeed to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We will start to run into some opposition. Jesus is very clear in the passage today. He's sending out like us like lambs among wolves. So we are going to run into some opposition. But even the, even the description of we followers of Jesus as lambs is, I think, instructive. We are to be the lambs, not the wolves. We the moment we cross the line from invitation into any sort of coercion, any sort of intimidation as followers of Jesus Christ, we've, we've dropped the ball. We've, we've got it wrong. We are to be the lambs. We are never to be a threat to anybody. Um, yes, we are out among the wolves, but let's, let's resist the temptation to become wolf-like in our sharing of the gospel. Is there anything more helpless than a little baby lamb? They're pretty defenseless, aren't they? That is the imagery that Jesus uses for you and I as we go out into the world. And of course, there were 72 of them. The context here is that this is a much larger group of people. You might be interested to know that in just the chapter beforehand, Jesus has already sent out the 12. So Jesus had a number of different groups that he would sow into. He had a very tight inner posse of three of Peter, James, and John that he would really invest in. He had the 12, of course, who would later go on to become designated as apostles or leaders of the church. And then there's this much larger group, a very large group of followers that he is now sending out as well. I think what this tells us is that it's not just the church leadership role to go out and to declare God's kingdom. It's all of our job. This job is far too big to leave to people like me, to leave to the paid help. Uh, this is all of our job. We each have a role to play. Every once in a while... Someone out there, when they hear what I do for a living, they'll describe me as a priest. Oh, you're a priest! Something inside me always winces a little bit because the New Testament is very clear that the leadership of the church are not priests. We have one great high priest, our man, Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. I'm not a priest. I don't represent God to you. 
We call ourselves ministers in our tradition because that word actually means servant. The New Testament describes you all, all of us, as a royal priesthood. Each of us are priests. Each of us have the job of going out and bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to our world, of holding before the world the good news of Jesus Christ, representing the kingdom of God in word and in deed. Of course, he tells us to not take any extra baggage, any, any extra luggage. He even tells us to not stop off for a chat along the way. I think this is, creates a sense of urgency. It's saying whatever it else is you've got else going on in life, don't let that be a distraction. This is to be your main calling. He talks, he uses the language of a harvest, doesn't he? He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If you've ever lived out in the bush, if you know anyone from the country, you'll know that when the harvest is ready, it's ready. It's got to be bought in. If you don't get it in in time, you risk losing the harvest. There is a real sense of urgency here from Jesus in the language that he's using. This very strange little description of sort of wiping the dust off your feet, of shaking the dust off your feet. This is a reference to the first century Jews thought of themselves as being pretty special and didn't want to be contaminated with pagan nations. So when they did go for a trip to a foreign country and they came back to Israel, they would go through this little ritual of shaking the dust off their feet. It was symbolic of saying, we don't want any of their pagan soil on our holy soil. Jesus is taking that imagery and he's, and he's tweaking it. He's, 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 he's adapting it. He's saying, you know what? Holiness is no longer going to be set by geography. A person's holiness is no longer bound by uh, lines on a map. It's a very different type of holiness here. He's, he's saying, if you accept the kingdom of God, that is, is what is going to make you, you holy. If you accept his kingdom, if you accept the message of God's coming kingdom, that is what will make you holy. Interestingly, have a look if you've got it open in front of you in both verses 9 and 11. The message is the same to both the people who accept the kingdom and those that don't. The message in both occasions is the kingdom of God has drawn near. This is Jesus saying, regardless of whether or not people repent, hear your message and accept you, or if they don't, your job your calling, your message is to be the same. The kingdom of God has drawn near. And of course, Jesus himself represents the very manifestation of the kingdom of God. God is the word made flesh. Jesus himself represented God's kingdom in bodily form. And so Jesus has in fact drawn near physically with these people. But for we 2,000 years later at the very ends of the earth, um, it is our job uh, to take Jesus with us, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, regardless of where we go. And if the people don't listen, if they don't respond, well, that's on them. Jesus is very clear that that's on them. It's up to us simply to obey and to go, uh, to heed the call to be sent. Finally, there's a little sting in the tail in this passage. A little sting in the tail, a little word of warning. Uh, Jesus at the end, after they've come back and reported what's been happening, Jesus says, well, be careful. Demons are submitting. They're impressed. Jeez, you wouldn't believe what's happened. He goes, that's fantastic, guys. But listen, don't rejoice about power and authority here on earth. Don't rejoice that the demons submit to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Jesus is saying the best thing about all of this 
is that you uh, have a citizenship in heaven. The context here is that very rarely would someone in those days have their name written down anywhere. It's a foreign concept to us who write our name out on almost a daily basis. But in an illiterate culture where most people really didn't amount to very much in worldly eyes, if your name got written down anywhere, it meant you were really somebody. The citizens of a local town, the leading men of a local town will probably have their names written down somewhere. But that was pretty much about it. If your name was written down somewhere, it meant you had really made it. This is the imagery that Luke's first readers would have picked up on. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven, that you have your citizenship in heaven, that your name can never be blotted out. Jesus himself got blotted out for your sake at Calvary. It gives you tremendous confidence. You never need to worry about what anyone else thinks of you because your name is written in heaven. Isn't that good news? You don't need to worry about worldly opinions. It gives you a tremendous liberty, a tremendous liberty. I was dealing with a troll on Friday. I was getting trolled because of our event we were putting on here, making fun of the church, making fun, and and I I could have taken it to heart. I'd spent all morning crafting just the right social networking message, and someone was mocking it, and I thought, I don't need to take this to heart. I don't need to respond because my name is written in the book of heaven. It doesn't matter what this person says. Amen. I don't want to leave you with a final uh, little encouragement this morning before we uh, head into communion. My main theme, my main take-home message for us this morning is that we each indeed have a part to play in bringing down Satan's kingdom, in, in making a mark, because it, you might not feel as though you can achieve very much. You might not feel as though you can do a whole bunch of really damaging stuff to Satan's kingdom with your time and, and your skills. But I would like to one day put up, a, I've always thought I'd like to put up in the foyer of my church, a, you know, some people say they put a photo of the minister, the minister, this is our, I want to say, you are the ministers of this church, you are the priests. I want to put a photo board up saying, here's Bob, he has a ministry of mowing the next door neighbor's lawn looking after his grandkids, bringing them up in Christ. This is, uh, this is Mary. She sews squares that are sent to people overseas who really just need to stay warm for the winter. Joe here, well, he serves at his local footy club for God's glory. He likes to golf. He likes to get his handicap down, but he's not there to get his handicap down. He's really a member of his local golf club local tennis club, the men's shed, whatever it is for you, to make sure that he is letting people know that God's kingdom has drawn near. These are the ways in which we serve. And I want you to see Jesus' response to the disciples when they report back what they've been doing. Think of, it, think of this, insert what you do, whatever it is you've got planned in your calendar for this coming week. They come back and they say, oh, even the demons submit to us. We went out and we shared the good news and Jesus says, that is awesome. And he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But Lord, all I did was run a movie night for some single mums in our community. I, 
I saw Satan fall like heaven when you did that. All I did was help the bloke next door with his decking. I saw Satan fall from heaven when you did that. All I did was teach a few kids a few Bible stories. Lord, I did what I couldn't feel like. I saw Satan fall in those kids' lives when you did that. Look, I donated a few tins of of fruit to the... I saw Satan fall when you did that. It might all seem very mundane and everyday to you, but Jesus sees the bigger picture. Jesus sees the demonic structures that are being torn down little by little as you and I chip away at the base. That little bit of babysitting you offered your neighbours didn't solve all of those families' problems perhaps, but it would have given that husband and wife that little break they needed, would have given them a break from the dysfunctionality that they've been struggling with and enable them to reconnect as husband and, and wife. That's one example. What is it for you? What can you do this week? The kingdom of God has come near and it's up to us to get the message out. And with your brothers and sisters in Christ, each bringing the kingdom of God little by little, day by day, week by week, we will indeed chip away at Satan's authority and we will see him fall once and for all in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's pray. As our band comes up, let's just uh, commit to God uh, our coming week, our role in seeing Satan fall. Loving Lord, we give to you our, our week ahead. We give to you what you've blessed us with, our gifts, our expertise, our time, our money, our resources, our relationships, Lord, whatever it is you've blessed us with, we offer it in service to you this week, Lord. Help us to know that we are called, that we are sent out. Help us to be like Jesus in surrendering our lives in service to those around us. May each of us heed this call to go and to declare the good news of Jesus Christ to all we encounter. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen. We're going to